Hey, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. Uh, this is Brian, and Jason's usually the one doing the intro, but he is safely at home with his new baby boy and wife. He will be re rejoining us next week. I got Tommy with us, and we have a new host that's going to be joining us uh, for our future podcast, Caleb Babcock, currently a student in Alabama. The neat thing, just a reminder, what we're doing with this podcast is we have three levels of view that will be coming over these ideas. So we have me, the old guy. We have Jason Webster, young family, kind of in the middle part of this journey. And we have Tommy and Caleb, both of them college students, but from different parts of the United States. What we're hoping is to take, as we take these ideas for you guys to see the different perspectives and the different view from the different age levels and the different environments that they're in uh, to better relate to some of these ideas. Everyone on this podcast has been around us and Mission 300 for a long time. So these ideas, they've implemented them, they've seen them, they've worked with them. And so let your perspective and your minds open up to see from some different views as we kind of move forward in these truths and wrestle through them. In the last podcast, we were talking about courage and what happened to it. In this episode, we're going to kind of continue down that line, talking about hope and courage and what happens when you feel like hope gets taken away and, and where does courage fit into that? What happens when you lose heart? So we're going to kick off today with a video clip that my son brought to me. He said, Dad, this is my favorite part of all of the series and he loves the whole thing and so i'm going to play this and it it could not be more fitting in our time and space and it's a great kickoff to this idea of courage and how to find hope this this is uh sam's speech from lord of the rings the two towers i can't do this sam i know it's all wrong by rights we shouldn't even be here It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frugal. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. 
So as you're listening to that, uh, Tommy, Caleb, what what are your thoughts when you when you hear that clip and that little scene that's taking place? The first thing that comes to my mind um, in that speech is when he says that there's some good in this world and that's worth fighting for. I think that's um, something that's really important for today too, like to know that there is truth out in the world and that because there are lies as well that seem that can be very deceiving um, and that many people may be drawn towards, that doesn't mean that fighting for the truth is wrong or fighting for the truth, like you shouldn't do it. Um, I think that saying there that, you know, no matter what, we should keep fighting for the truth and no matter what others do. When, when you say truth, uh, how do you define what's true? I think that's one of the hardest parts when when people are listening to the environments around them and the worlds around them. Finding what's true is, is really hard sometimes because there's a lot of things we want to be true. And so we tend to fight for that. But we don't really know what the truth is that we're trying to actually get to. And what is a way that you distinguish between that? And then I'll get into Caleb's response to the clip. Yeah, I think truth for me has to come from God. Um, and it has to be something that's time-tested and proven and something you can see throughout scriptures and throughout um, the lives of people that you trust and that you view as um, mentors of yours or just people that trust um, family members too. Um, but yeah, I think truth it can be hard too because you're often deceived yourself because you want to believe what you think is right or what you've always been told is right but that's not necessarily always the um not always necessarily true which is kind of funny um but it's has to go beyond just like a basic understanding of what it is you know like you it's not just something that oh yeah that's what everyone everyone goes with. So that's what I believe. It has to have some merit behind it and it has to have some wisdom behind it. And I think what makes it really hard is that um, like false police often have a little bit of truth in there, which makes it really deceptive and very easy to fall for. But when you see the truth and the full truth, it's pretty easy to tell that apart. Yeah, I just think of the part where it's like, um, where he says why he understands those stories have meaning of the people who have gone through this before, like facing darkness. And it's because they didn't turn back and they were holding on to something. And so I think just for like uh, for today, what are we holding on to to see on the other side of when there's darkness that we have to go through in any circumstance in life? So I think that's really significant because it gives you hope that you are holding on to something past the darkness and that eventually the darkness will pass. And even Sam saying the sun will shine brighter than ever before, I think. So, so let's transition this into kind of our everyday life. And, you know, again, sometimes when we, when we look at an idea, we still look at it through the lens of the position that we're in. 
which was really a brilliance when uh, J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and some of their conversations together, one of the reasons that they did a fantasy type story, and keep in mind, J.R. Tolkien was in World War I, lived through World War II, was in, was in England. He understood everything that's in these movies are really typifying what was being experienced in the world during the two greatest wars in history and the uproar. And I, I think one of the things that he said was the reason that you do a fantasy is like, we could talk about truth. Like I could talk about an idea to you guys and we can sit and argue over whether that idea is a good idea or not a good idea, or I can bring out a truth, but if it doesn't really benefit us, you know, that's really where a big problem is we'll reject it or we don't really want to embrace it. But when we take a truth and stick it into something that we don't really relate to, like a Lord of the Rings world or a Chronicles of Narnia world, we it's not real. It's interesting how we all share the same truth when we take that truth and put it into an environment that we're not directly connected to. And I think that was what was really profound about even these movies and the stories that he wrote is it forced you to look at truths and morality and good and evil because you don't have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis in that kind of context. But when we put it into our context, that's when we start waffling through, through all of that. And so when he was talking about the stories of old, what, what, what is a story that stands out to you that, that roots you, Caleb, into a truth that you look back on that helps you, uh, kind of gives you a map down the ancient paths of how to walk? What, what's a story that stands out? and doesn't have to be a necessarily a biblical story, but what's a character and a story that really inspires you to and, and helps you to see a truth in decisions that you're making now? Yeah, if I had to go with a non-biblical story, I mean, my my dad's story with his business and how he got fired, because I mean, I was essentially a part of that story, but in a respect also viewing it from the outside of what his journey in that was of starting his own, own business and all the struggles of that and even what currently is going on with it but also seeing him succeed, which is really encouraging. So just looking at that and seeing how in circumstances that I can relate to more because it also affected me um, to see how to walk out in those circumstances and have like courage and endurance through trying times that he was going through. So that was like a very close experience to me that I still look at today for lots of stuff. as a role model, essentially for, okay, what do I want to do in this situation? How do I want to walk this out? And what truth is there from that, um, past experience that I've watched? So even, even biblically, uh, Tommy, do you, do you have a story? It, it, it really is okay to share a Bible story too, but is there a story or a, a person that really stands out as you walk and you're making decisions that kind of gives you a benchmark. One story that <clears throat> from the Bible that I really like, and I think I learn a lot from is the story of Joseph. Um, just in the fact that, you know, he was given a dream, a dream from God. Um, and then he presented that dream to others and it was immediately like shot down by his brothers. And I think even his father was a little distraught by it too. Um, but knowing that like Joseph was confident in his relationship with his father, his father loved him, 
And so is he able to act on, you know, a dream and those decisions, but then they ultimately, it, his dream wasn't like it came true like that. It was a process that he walked through and it wasn't really knowing, um, it wasn't like he had to achieve the dream because he didn't really know what that dream meant, but he knew who he was in each stage, you know, as he got shipped off to Egypt with Potiphar's wife, all that, and then going to prison and then becoming the head of prison, then, you know, being second in command to Egypt and basically saving Egypt and the surrounding nations. Um, he just, for me, he's like a constant character of like knowing who you are. And despite like all adversity and everyone going against you, when you know who you are, you're confident and you're able to make decisions on that. So that's a story that really inspires me and I think has a lot of truth to it. Oh, I, I could, I totally agree. Even the fact that he was still technically a slave, even when he was running all of Egypt. So his outside identity actually never changed, but his inside identity absolutely drove out anything that would stop what he was. What is the feeling of outlook towards the future? The people that you're in college with, your peers, how do they see the future? What is the challenge that they have? Or maybe they don't have a challenge. Maybe they just think it's going to be bright and rosy. What What is the overall feel of that? I think for a lot of my um, friends and just being around campus, it's kind of a mixed bag. There's a little bit of hopelessness, but there's also a little bit of like hope in the fact that you know a lot of people I'm around are still pretty young. Um, but there's also the fact that like, um, like I was talking to my grandparents and like some of the older people and was, they were just saying like how, how the world has changed and how different stuff is going now and how different stuff is happening. And they're just saying like, they feel, they feel bad that I'm so young right now. And I kind of looked and it, it gave me a little bit different perspective of like what's going on. So there's, there's a little bit of it feels like maybe hopelessness or like that we're going to be having to live with stuff that is happening right now forever and changed a lot of how people view um, how you get together with people, how you experience relationship, like this zoom stuff is completely different. Um, like you can't meet up with friends on campus. You can't do all the stuff that we used to be able to do. And so there's a little bit of hopelessness, but there's also the fact that like you learned a lot in this time, at least I have, I've grown a lot in different ways, but I, I see a pretty mixed bag mm. for me personally. Yeah. I think um, what I've seen with people around me is a lot of them feel like they have like an identity and with that, like comes a purpose but finding where that purpose and identity essentially fits in the world or what that would lead them to do occupation wise, whether it's being in some form of ministry or business. And so just like, I think most of my friends who I talk with have a hope for it, but there's some, a little bit of mystery. Like if they feel like they know what their purpose is, okay, how does that fit in the world, especially with the world constantly changing you know, how can, how is my purpose or identity going to be not necessarily affected, but um, like changed in its position wise based on what the environment is. 
So still hopeful, but kind of a sense of like mystery and, you know, un- maybe a little bit of anxiety around that, but still driven by what they believe they're supposed to do. So let me, let me add to that question just a little bit. How many of your friends know what they are and what they're going to do? Or are they still looking to try to find out where they fit or do they know what, or they're taking what they are and bringing it out regardless if they quote unquote fit into the environments around them? So is there a sense of security that they know what they are regardless, or are they still hoping the environment is in a situation around them that will help bring out what they are? I think once again, I'm still pretty mixed in just like my different groups that I'm in and different friends that I have. Um, but there's a little bit of both. There's people that look at, you know, my my purpose doesn't change. Maybe how I um, walk in that every day will change and will look different, but it doesn't change who I am or um, necessarily like the cause of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but I still see there's a lot of people that, you know, despite having months to think about and reflect on life, still kind of aimlessly walking through and just hoping that maybe going to college will help them decide what their life is supposed to do, or it's just the next step in life. It's not really thought through. It's just, oh, this is what my parents want me to do, or, oh, this is what society wants me to do. It's not really truly discovering who you are. Um, although I think you could discover who you are through that process and even going against what you're made to be, you can discover who you're supposed to be in that. But I get a little bit of a mixed, mixed again, you know, just there's people I, I see a lot more in college where it's just kind of like, this is the next step. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what my major is supposed to be. I don't know if I'll like this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then all this kind of stuff. So there's a mixed, mixed feeling for sure. Tommy, you were, you were telling a story uh, a couple days ago um, about a friend and his view of this and kind of, he was starting a business and just kind of his, he had a, he had a really good thinking about this whole idea. Could you share a little bit more about uh, your friend? Because I thought this was a great picture of maybe what it looks like to courageously move forward and knowing what you are. Yeah. I have a friend who's, um, He's in college right now, and he's actually um, graduating this spring. Me and him have gotten pretty close over this last year. Um, but his his family uh, is able to bring him through college, and he's working really hard in college. But um, even with going to college, that's not really um, – he's going for math, finance, and, like, computer science. But that's not what defines him. He found – his thing that he's really truly interested in and he's going out and he's developing relationships he's um meeting people over the internet he's doing what he wants to do and he's started a business and he met a friend who was also interested in what he was interested in and he despite all the setbacks with covid and everything he's still going after um what he truly wants and i think that's pretty cool and he's, um, even with like everything that's going on, he's through starting his business, um, 
uh, networking, developing relationships. He was able to get a job after school, um, pretty well paying. There's a lot of different people trying to get him. And I think it's just cool how his, like college wasn't his purpose, but it helped him discover who he is. And once he discovered who he is, he was able to use college as a resource to really launch him into his future. And I think that's the coolest part. And I think that's what we're missing in college. A lot of days it's like people go to get a major to do a job, not discover all that. I think that is probably one of the most key points is he utilized the things around him to bring out what he is versus using the things around them to find out what he is, which is a a very different. Am am I correct in saying that is that? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. I think that this is critical because the world's always going to be different. And I don't know anything that anything good that's ever come out in the world around us that didn't have a great opposition to it. So I'm just talking about neutral things. Like there was a day when, you know, everything was when Tesla was trying to show how AC current is a better, a better way to do it. Well, once Edison built the whole network with all the phone lines or all the power lines with DC, AC current was a big threat to that. So in order to push that, you have this, this conflict. And so just in any arena, you're going to have these elements and there's going to have to be something more core to you to, uh, even if you have something good to offer to not expect everybody around you just to embrace it because it's going to force them to change everything. So just in a natural environment, this is a key factor. Um, it's not necessarily saying what is good and what's not good, but it's something to understand that we need to build onto the inside of us of dealing with at moments of isolation moments of rejection moments feeling like the whole world's been stripped out from underneath you and there has to be a reservoir of something deeper that keeps moving you forward and i'm concerned that reservoir doesn't exist in most of our world because we've never had to deal with a conflict like you have the baby boomers coming out of World War One, World War Two. They understood what it was like to sacrifice and the cost. And from whether it's family members, whether it's rationing, whether it's they understood that. So they had a different look of life when they came out. There was something deeper in the fortitude. Now, on the flip side, they had some mindsets that they couldn't break either. But I'm just saying they understood the hardship of life. So they knew what work did. They knew the benefit of it. They knew the cost. Um, this day, this generation has no concept conceptually of what, what that is. Now I'm coming from an old guy. So Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong and, uh, feel free to add into that thought process. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you, which is like sometimes harder for this generation to hear, but I think like from what I've seen, it's when when there's challenging circumstances, it tends to bring out people's true identity, whether that's like conflict with people that you have relationships with, or, I mean, I've even found that with myself, you know, if I'm like having an argument with someone, honestly, it's like, okay, who am I really in this? Because, you know, it's like where the tension is, is where your identity is really going to come out. Whereas if it's a comfortable environment that there's no, like stress to create responses to um with who you are then you're not really going to find that identity and that 
um, purpose if you're really not doing anything or finding yourself being challenged in a situation. Do you think this is part of the reason why we have a generation? And again, we're talking about um, when hope gets taken away and the courage to rise up. And I know this may seem like we're drifting a little bit from that, but I, I think this does come back to something very important is we do have a sense of hope in this future, but we tie it to a group that can get us that hope versus we have the personal responsibility. We have the personal identity. We have the personal grit that we can offer to those around us where we do it more with other people. We grow with something versus having something grow us. And we kind of give over that to someone else to do it for us. And I think it's crept in quite a bit and it ties into all of this as you're kind of uh, bringing your ideas to this, how much does that play in to what your, what your generation and, and the people around you play in? Like even from those going into ministry, they look for the ministry to bring out something in them. So they're trying to align to the right ministry versus if you're, in ministry or you're an engineer or you're one of those things, it really doesn't, you bring something to that versus waiting for the thing to bring it. Do you see that? Do you, do you see that that becomes more of the focal point or is it, I have something to offer, so I'm just going to keep moving forward and I'm going to build relationships and, and blaze through this. Or is it, I need to find the right thing that's going to bring out my strength. Yeah. From what I've seen, I agree completely. Cause a lot of the times the conversation in the ministry school is like, okay, are you seeking a platform? Like if you want to be a preacher, are you seeking a platform, a position to speak or, you know, seeking a position where people will see you and then see what you are, or are you going to serve in any environment or be who you are in any environment to where it doesn't matter what position you're in. It's just that your identity brings what you are to the table of in any situation, instead of just waiting until you feel like you've made it to the right position that you can um, bring out who you are, because maybe sometimes you'll never reach that position. So you can't be who you are, but if you just accept that I'm going to be whoever I am, no matter what the situation or circumstances or position that I'm holding, then you'll find that um, your identity and purpose will come out more just in that. And, and I don't want to just put this on this generation. This concept has had different layers for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We can go all the way back to the children of Israel in Egypt. And if you just remember, it was the Pharaoh that was terrified of the Israelites. But it was the Israelites that thought they were no good. And so they never were themselves. But when you look at what the truth was from behind the scenes, they were feared. When they saw themselves, they feared themselves. And I just think it's a, this has gone on throughout history. So how do, what would something, both of you guys have walked through a lot. Um, I've been a part of your journeys for a long time. I've watched your decisions. I've watched hard decisions. I've watched you guys take stands where you had to stand alone. and. What, what do you think is a couple key components? Because where we lose hope is when we can't find that environment that we, that ideal environment to bring out what we are, that ideal job, 
that ideal uh, uh, political view, that ideal. When we can't find that ideal, that's why hope gets stripped so much. But if it's coming from in you, as you guys just described, the true hope is from your father, something much bigger than the environment, as Joseph, as the story with your dad, Caleb. Those things are in you. How how do you help a generation, and I'm even referring to mine, see beyond what the environment could be so you could be truly what you are regardless? What do you think are some tools, some actions that could start more at the root level versus waiting for the fruit level? I think you kind of hinted at it a little bit is that you have to know who you are and it, has, it can't be from yourself, right? It has to be from another source, someone speaking life into you. For me, I would say it's from God. Um, he's my father. He's the one who has given me my identity as a son. And now it's my opportunity to take action on that. So I think there could be many people who know, oh, yeah, I'm a son of God. Oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. But then what's my identity? Like, it's just simple. You're a son, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. What would a son or daughter do? Now take an action, do something with that and learn from it. Learn what God is speaking to you through that. See how God guides you through that decision-making. See right or wrong decision-making. Make a decision. Do something. Get out of your comfort zone. Experience. Go beyond and let God really take hold of you and really step out in faith. And I think you do that in a lot of different things. I mean, I think that's not something I can just say like, hey, do this. I think that has to come from you and from your relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to clarify something because one thing I do want to do with this podcast is redefine what terms are. And a lot of times when we say step out in faith, what we basically mean is step out in a lucky lottery number and hopefully it'll turn out. When you say it, because I've watched you step out in faith, there's a confidence expectation of what that's going to produce. Would we be safe in what you're terming of stepping out in faith? You're not just saying a hope or I wish this would happen this way, so I'm going to try for it. Instead, there's like a confident expectation where you may not know exactly how it's going to turn out, but you know at some level it's going to turn out in an expectation of, of what's on the inside of you. Is, is that a safe assessment of how you, in our conversations, how you define that? Yeah, I would, would 100% agree with that. I, I, a step of faith isn't just a hope-filled um, dream or something. It's not something that you just like, oh, I want it to be this. So I'm going to, I'm going to have faith that it's this, but you know, it's, there's no confidence behind it. You have to know what it is that you're confidently going after. And that's where, that's how I would define that step of faith is like, you know, that you're supposed to do that and you take a step and you do it. And, and based on what you just said earlier, that comes from knowing who you are, and that has to come from a source higher than yourself. We, we don't just internally know what we are. Something has to bestow that onto us. And not our environment, not our world, not a political party, not a, in, uh, a country. 
it comes from knowing something that is far beyond what that is, which is God as a father. Then there is, I've been given things and everything I have is enough to accomplish what I need to do. And so then there's this confident moving forward. I think what I've found in my life is just getting a word from God, whether that's in the Bible or in my prayer time. And I think, honestly, the story I think of too is like Caleb in the Bible, because he had the word from God um, with the rest of the spies when he went to the promised land and he had already believed it. And when he came back, only him and Joshua were the ones believing it. And so I think, you know, what you have to do is find that what's that internal hope, but also a belief that you have that you've already decided before that situation or circumstance comes up, no matter what it is, you're going to walk it out. Because I, I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other day and he said, if you believe in something, if you truly believe in it and it's the truth, then you act it out. Like that's what believing is. And so I think for my life, it's just like, I choose to believe it and I'm just going to walk that out and act that out. And if the circumstance or situation arises, since I've already chosen what I'm going to do about what I believe about that, then I take like personal responsibility and whatever, however, the situation or circumstance maybe contradicts that, then I still act out what I believe in or what i believe like, you know, in my identity or purpose has compared to that. I so agree. And all of this sounds awesome until somebody comes in and strips out that relationships, your environment, the platforms that you had, all that gets stripped away. How do you still bring that out? How do you, how do you deal with that? When the real thing you have to face is the relationships around you, no one believes your idea, no one accepts that idea. Um, how do you hold true? Because this is really at the heart of courage. How, how do you hold to that idea? Because it's easy when there's no opposition. It's in opposition that you still have to keep moving forward. How do you, how do you hold that? What is something that you do or remind yourself and I, and again i know you guys both know about hearing the voice of god finding it in scripture establishing it but even that can be kind really washy when no one else is seeing that what what's ministering to you and bringing life to you and no one else is seeing it how do you still hold to that just one thing that i think of is like your what you stand for um what you do for work what you do as a business um whatever you do that can get stripped away from you but your identity always stays the same and so just walking through that like i think it's it's hard to do when you become attached your identity becomes attached to what you do. And I think that's something that a lot of people slip up and do is like, we go to school, we go to college, that's our identity. Our identity is we're a student, we're here to learn. And then what do we do afterwards? We go to work. Well, that becomes our identity. This is what I do, this is what I do. And then when that gets stripped away, you're left with nothing. You're left with just completely shattered life. You don't know what to do, you're at, always and you need to get another job you need to do all this da, 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 da. but when 
you truly have your identity solidified in God, it doesn't matter necessarily, like, there's, I don't know, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to produce what your identity is, right? And so I just think, like, knowing that God is deeply interested in, in you and in your everyday decisions and in everything you do, that helps me, like, remember where I'm from, who I'm from. It's just knowing that, like, God really cares about, like, what you're going through in this moment. And, and like, he wants to help you through that. I recommend for people to go back and listen to the last podcast because Tommy shares a little bit of how that was developed in him of what he's referencing right now. Um, and I, I think that's just very solid. Uh, Caleb, what about you? What What is the anchor point for you? Because this is really at the heart of courage. And I want everybody to kind of really catch this. Hope is something that is beyond just natural hope. Natural hope is well, if they pass this law, then this will open up and I can get a job. That's natural hope. Real hope is regardless of how the world changes. My hope is fixed on something much bigger. And my, my heart and my courage, the heart to act it out, just like you brought up Caleb, he waited 40 years. Then he went and helped settle the promised land. And it wasn't till he is 80 years old that he finally gets to take his, his promise. So I want you to ponder that. This hope never left him. His identity never left him. His courage never left him. But the environment was awful for 40-some-odd years that he had to wait out before he could even act on the thing that he was. So what, what is something you do? What, what, where is that core come for you, Caleb? Yeah, I think for me, it comes like the core is who am I and who am I to God, first of all, because I think a lot of times what I've seen just like in America and stuff, it's not, there's not so much individuality as there is this idea of tribalism, or it's like you choose to attach yourself to a group and I'm going to go with what this group thinks. But eventually, you know, that group can decide to change its mind, you know, just like the Israelites did. He went with the group of spies who were going to see, but then once their vision changed of, okay, what are we dealing with? Everyone's idea of what was going to happen changed. So I think there has to be, um, especially in my life from what I've seen is like, I have to have a sense of individuality and like as a son of God that I can walk out, even if it has to be completely alone, that I still know that my father's on my side and that I have that identity in him. So no matter how the situation changes, if everybody disagrees with me, that it doesn't matter because I have this word that I've been like meditating on and thinking about since the time I've had it. And I think that was what Caleb did is he had hope that, you know, he was eventually going to enter the promise land and he didn't let go of that hope even when the circumstances came out worse because the land was filled with giants. And I think what you just said is absolutely profound because that is the hope, the biblical hope. It's the hope against hope. I have something that's been promised. I know it will be fulfilled and I'm going to keep just walking and I'll, I'll go, if I have to go, if I'm forced to go around a mountain, if I'm forced to go up over a hill to get to that hope, that hope keeps 
moving forward. And I think even in that, that opening clip that we had with Sam speaking to Frodo, we, we do need people around us that are speaking something. If you really look at Sam, he's kind of a typology and I, I hate to, I know some people are going to wig out when I say this, but he's kind of a typology of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's comforting him, right? uh, Frodo right now. Sam couldn't do what Frodo needed to do, but Sam spoke into him, walked with him, encouraged him to go do that thing. And I think we've lost sight of what uh, Jason did a great job on the last podcast talking about what the comforter was. But we have learned to retreat versus finding comfort, hope, joy, love, peace in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the opposition, because that's why we need those things. You don't need any of those fruits if, if everything is in your comfort place, right? Because you kind of already have it. There's no conflict. You remove conflict and it's not there. But in this world that we live, you, you are going to have conflict. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be conflicting. You don't have to be the, we don't have to act in the manner of getting people to join our side. We act in the manner by finding people and lifting them in these places. Even if they absolutely disagree with you, you find what God sees in them and you speak to that and you stir something in them so they can come to a true hope in them. They can start discovering who they are in themselves. They could start seeing something worth living and that fruit will take care of itself. And I'm careful, even with our program, I am not a a tree trimmer and a fruit remover. So even if I don't like the fruit coming off your tree, I've just learned I can spend all my time cutting off a branch, but in another week, that branch is growing back and here's some more of the same. We have to get back to what is it at at the core of each individual and being able to speak to it. And that's where I want to tie, tie that into some solutions. So I want to throw out a couple ideas that I think that I've seen over the years that are really critical and um, get your commentary and your, your, your thoughts on it. The number one is you don't need people around you that agree with you. Now, I, I do know what Proverbs says, how can anyone walk together unless they be agreed? There's a difference between agreement on identity and agreement in ideas, but there does need times where there's people you care about, you value, you see it. But the things we need to agree on is there's a truth that we're going to, and we may not have the ideas or the perspective of how to get to that truth or how that truth is to come about. So what we're agreeing on is a truth. So Caleb agreed, there's a promised land and that's for me. Now he had to work with everybody else in that journey to get to that point. And so what hope does is it brings us truth, but it's okay to sit and, and interact and learn to hear someone else, hear their perspective, but we're wrestling forward with a, with a truth. So we need people around us and we have to, the more we, the, the best place I've learned this was when I was at a manager in Las Vegas that I was managing a large electronics store. This was pre-internet boom. So these sales guys were making a fortune selling electronics. And in that environment, we had every bit, the most diverse group of people of, I think there's about 60 staff. We had 
Croatians and Serbians and Jehovah Witness and Catholic and Vietnamese and Chinese and uh, Hispanic and black and white and Polish. And uh, we had everything. We had every sexual orientation. Everything was there. I was the only Christian in our store. And it was one of the most really great places to work because none of us agreed on any idea, except we have to sell electronics. And so finding this kind we an environment where you could talk about what you thought, but at the end of the day, we've got to go accomplish this. And it helped me learn to hear people, listen to people, um, see how people thought, build relationships. Now, granted, there's only so close you can get. But we've lost that side of even learning how to interact with something. And I think what you guys are talking about, when you truly know what you are and you have the courage to go at it and you're not afraid of the rejection that's going to come, there's something almost more loving because you can still look at other people and listen to them. You don't have to agree. And sometimes there's a huge opposition with them and sometimes they may hate you, but it's no longer personal anymore. It It's something that we can still grow into. So that's the first part is how do we build relationships? The second part is we talk about hearing God's voice or reading the Bible. There is still a fundamental idea that we don't fully trust God is speaking that Bible to us. We know it's the truth or we believe that it's from him, but it doesn't necessarily apply to our situation. It doesn't necessarily apply to this, which is why we're going to spend time going through stories, not what the truth is that you need to pull from it, but from the story. So you can start seeing these characters come alive. But we have to know the source of the writer. We can't look at things from our perspective. So a child in a good, healthy family learns perspective of the home and nurture and care from their mother. They learn how to look at life outside of the home from the father. So the father starts giving them perspective of how to look at things. And whatever he writes and speaks, you know the Father, so you know the intention, the thought, and the the actions. One problem we have with the Bible or hearing God's voice is we truly don't know the Father. We don't know his goodness towards him. We don't think he interacts with us. We, we don't even know how to disagree with him at times. He's going to end up being right. But we, we don't even know how to bring all that about. So how do, how do you go about and start building this? How How did you start? stepping into realms and, and start building and letting yourself out that actually re-fortified who you are? Honestly, for me, it was getting around people who challenged me. And I think it has something to do with what you're saying too about by that you were around people who had different beliefs, different whatever, you know, everything seemed not to agree, but you all had the same common goal, common purpose. And that was kind of what happened with me. I know I talked a little bit last time on the last podcast about um, kind of where I come from, how everything. And But I would say my relationship with you um, as a soccer coach really helped because we, we had the same views as Jesus, right? Jesus is the source. Jesus is that. But you, you questioned me because I, I knew all the Christianese stuff. I knew what I had to say to get by. Um, in school, and you know, you know everything. You, I went to a Christian school my whole life. This, it's you can just repeat it back, and people are like, "Yeah, that's perfect." 
but you you pause and you like actually like tell me what you believe like is this what it says is that what you believe or do you just say that and so when people are confident enough to ask you to like stand up for what you believe you're like oh shoot like i really need to figure this out like i need to figure out do i really believe this and if i do I need to experience it and really gain confidence in it. Otherwise, it's just belief backed up with nothing, right? And that's, you won't believe that for very long, you know? So I think just getting around people who question, questioning has been really important in my faith. It has really helped build me to like actually dig deep and figure out what I believe. Yeah, I think... I agree with you um, on the aspect of the father because I'm pretty blessed in my life to have a great dad. But I think when, um, like growing up, when my dad would challenge me on certain things, like just like living to a higher standard, it wasn't when he uh, told me like, this is what you should do or whatever. It was that he just gave me stories from his life and how, he walked that out that was like okay I see how that can be done as well and then also just like building that into the bible I think like you know in the old testament I think that's kind of changed the way how I read the old testament and read the bible it's like what's the story here and what is um how these men in the bible walked it out and how does that apply to me personally and what also what is the heart of the father in that story because you know, growing up, I would see, okay, that's the heart of my dad for what he's trying to communicate to me through the story. So also like the same goes for the Bible. I think it's like, what's the heart of the father in the story that's speaking to me. And so I think even in high school, I was seeing how that would be walked out because there was situations where I had to walk on my own and do things where it kind of made me stand out in a crowd essentially because I had to um, stand alone in what I believe. And so I think that was a pretty big um, stepping stone for me in life is walking through high school and seeing where I had to walk alone and what I had learned growing up and learned from what I read in the Bible of like, this is the heart of the father for what he wants for me in my life. As we start to get to a wrap, I, I think one thing is finding someone who believes in you. And I, I think we've misunderstood something about our pursuit of God. We, we kind of made it that we're the ones pursuing God. I don't mean that we're not giving intentionality towards the relationship. That's critical, too. It, it's, it's very much part. But we've made, it, we've made it that we're trying to find God. We're pursuing God. We're seeking God. Um, and, and, and again, those, those are true statements, but we forget the fact that we didn't find God. He found us. We forget the fact that we didn't go to heaven to find him. He came to earth to find us. We forget the fact that when he looked at his disciples, he says, I believe in you. Even when they were not a believable group, he is the one doing that. He is the one saying, I believe in you. I, I see something in you. I, I, I'm not referring to all of your flaws, but we've we've not let God know us. We're still trying to know God, but it's interesting. Paul says that 
we have known God, or rather that we are known of God. We we have not wanted him to know us because we're still trying to fix ourselves. And I think at the very core of all of this, it begins with knowing the Father knows how flawed you are, right? Because you're human. You're born flawed, in a sense, because of the fall. But he sees what's in you, and he speaks to that, and he draws out the real you to connect with him so you can grow. And I think that is something that has to be critical in all the thoughts. And a lot of people, when they lose hope, is because they think there's something they do to get God. But if they would stop and say, Father, know me. What do you see in me? What grow, grow me. Come be a part of me. I'm, I welcome you into my mess. There's something that, that happens that builds that identity, that that becomes something that solidifies what we are, where all the rest of this emerges. And what you guys are talking about is, is really powerful in your journey, and, and you have done a lot of this. But I just want to, as, as we wrap up, and I'll have, give to your final thoughts, there are two main key principles that come before courage and hope. And when I say, or, or even finding it, or how to navigate in this future, one is you got to know who you are. And you can only know who you are until you know your father. And God wants to be the father through Jesus Christ. That is the only way where that whole process begins. But then we have to know that he's the one speaking. He sees what we are. He sees what he is inside of us. But then you have to be open to being, uh, letting that be challenged because you don't become strong by putting no weights on the bar. Just because you could lift your arms a thousand times with no weight doesn't make you strong. It's not until resistance is on that. So we can't be afraid of that resistance because that's where what we are becomes stronger and more confident and more competent. And we own that responsibility to put that out there to the test. We shouldn't be waiting and using the term, God's testing me. How about you go test yourself and let God be strong in you? Like we should be more of the actuators of that versus the recipients of that thought process. Because when that's strong, now all of a sudden, when you have to truly let your heart out and take a risk and sacrifice, courage is where that starts to take place. So uh, your final thoughts, if you are a listener and this just seems foreign to you, or you just don't know where to begin, a lot of your ideals may have been broken in the last month. Maybe a lot of hopes you feel like has been stripped away. A lot of courage has been stripped away. You don't even know where to begin. What would you tell them if you just had one sense, where would they begin to reestablish that heart of courage? I think what you were saying about God believing in you, the real you, and just exposing yourself to him, all that you are, because he already knows it. But in relationship, it's communication and how you communicate to your father. And just like an earthly father, you know, you have to walk out that relationship. You have to develop that relationship. And I think that's really important, just walking it out um, and experiencing what your father wants you to experience, you know. Um, I just think that that's really important. And also just the fact that you just say, like, Father, I want you to know me and I welcome you into my life. 
And I think that's something that's really missed today is because we're constantly searching and searching for God, but really he's right there, right in front of us. And he just wants that relationship with you. And he just wants to know who you are and just walk with him through that. And I think that's really important. And that's something that um, this world is really lacking. So ultimately, I'll just say, just know that God wants to be your father and he wants that relationship with you. Yeah, I'd agree with Tommy on that as well. And I think like practical ways to do that, that I've done that in my life is, you know, reading the word. And I think that's like not something necessarily everybody wants to hear that I even want to hear because it's like, oh, that feels like a process. Like I'll have to sit down. You mean I have to sit down and take time to read something I don't even understand. And I think in my life, what I've just found is like, when I read these stories, the, I mean, especially like the story of Jesus, it's like, what characters in there do I identify with and how do I see how Jesus treats them? And that's the same way that the heart of the father is towards me, no matter who it is or what the circumstances are. And even stories in the old Testament where it's like these men were tested and it's like, what, what was their, what did their identity bring out in that situation? So I think just seeking that out in the Bible and praying and asking God just to show um, him who you are to him and who he is to you, you know, as a father. And I think that's like done even more than just in sitting and reading It's done in life. You know, you can find that in practical situations. And I think that's part of it too, is because a father doesn't sit in a room and wait for you to come in there and ask him questions and communicate with him. It's like, you can do that every minute of every day you know, just in any situation, it's like, whatever you're doing, if you're doing something fun or going through something hard, it's ask God, you know, what do you think of the situation? What do you think of who I am? Because if you let him come in and speak truth and identity to who you are, then that will be more powerful than anybody trying to encourage you or say, Hey, it's going to be all right. Like, because maybe it's not going to be, but if God comes in and speaks identity and truth to you, then that's going to be a more powerful thing that you can hold on to than anything you could read to encourage yourself outside of the Bible. I think we've forgotten how to let him have fun with us. And we don't invite him into areas because we just think that that, that is too, he's sacred and this is secular versus inviting him into all those realms. And I think when that begins, something begins to change. Just like every kid wants their dad to come and play catch with them. But every kid does not want to go and work on the car when they're little with dad. And we keep thinking that Christianity is that we have to go work on the car with dad when we don't like working on cars. But that's not Christianity. He's just as interested as him coming and playing catch with you. Because that's where relationships form, which is why we use sports and different things as part of our program. Because that's what connects. Um, and that's what draws us into more of him. So with that, thank you for listening. Uh, Jason Webster will be back with us next week as uh, now the father of four and be able to bring some new uh, perspective and his new thoughts into this. Uh, this is Mission 300. You can find us at outboundlife.org. You can find us at minds.com, Mission 300. 
You can find us also on Telegram at t.me forward slash mission 300. You can also uh, sign up for our newsletter and find new contact with us at the outboundlife.org website. Remember the Father believes in you and stay in the fight.